Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good evening and welcome to Stevens Creek Church and Merry Christmas. Hey, we're so glad that you're here. We've been thinking and planning for this service for for months now. And the, the fact that, that you're here and many of you have traveled from long distances to, uh, to visit friends and family just to be here. Uh, we're, we just want to say thank you. Thanks so much. I'm telling you, you've chosen the best service because we saved the best for last. Okay. You're it. You're the best. I'll tell you, we've been waiting for Christmas. You know, we're kind of like kids, you know, kids are, are always waiting for Christmas. I've got two grandsons, one named Summit and one named Forrest. Now, this is Summit over here. He's, he's three years old, and this is Forrest. Uh, he's, uh, one and a, uh, he's two years old, almost two years old. And so uh, they had a sleepover at Pappy's house a couple of weeks ago. And so Summit here was enamored with the Christmas tree and especially all the presents around. And so he looked at me and said, now, now we can open those on Christmas, right? And what he was really saying is, Pappy, can we open them now? Because, you know, it's hard to wait when you're three. It's just hard. What he doesn't understand is, yeah, Santa Claus is coming, but he's got something better. Because this sign says, who needs Santa? I've got Grandpa. (laughs) Yes, uh, and that's the truth. You know, when we're uh, kids, we're always um, can't wait for Christmas to come, you know. Uh, We're counting down the the days for Santa to come and so forth. You know, when we're older, we're looking for our kids to come home. Uh, It reminds me of a story of uh, a man uh, that called his son in Atlanta and said, Son, I hate to tell you this the day before Christmas, but I've got some bad news. He said, Your mother and I are getting a divorce. He said, What? He said, yeah, after 45 years of misery, uh, it is over. I'm so upset about it. Uh, I, I'm not even going to talk anymore about it. Call, call your sister in Dallas and tell her. Well, in a panic, he called his sister and said, you wouldn't believe this, uh, but mom and dad are getting a divorce. And she said, over my dead body. And so she hung up the phone and called him and said, my brother just called me. He said, you are, and I'm here to tell you, you're not getting a divorce. I'm getting on a plane and I'll be there tomorrow. And my brother's being there. We'll be in Augusta tomorrow and don't do a thing until I get there. And she hung up the phone. He looked over at his wife and said, hey, baby, said the kids are coming home for Christmas. <laughs> and they're paying their own way. There's nothing like it when the kids pay their own way. A few weeks ago, uh, Patty and I had an opportunity to go to Jerusalem um, and while we were there, we picked up uh, a nativity set. And I preached a message on uh, the nativity uh, several weeks ago about the wise men. And I showed the pieces of our nativity uh, to you. And somebody took their connect card and said, would you please have Pastor Marty show us the entire nativity set, not just the wise men? So you're in luck. Here it is. And so this right here is a nativity set. It was carved out of olive wood in Bethlehem. That's what they told me, or maybe by digital saw in China. Um, not sure. I did look everything. I'm, I'm a practical person. You know, they told me it's carved uh, in Bethlehem, but it might be from China. But, but when I look at this nativity set, I see several things. I see a group of people that are, um, that are waiting. 
They're waiting. Here you see Joseph, and Joseph is, is waiting to get married. Here you see Mary, and Mary is waiting to have a baby. Here you see uh, the shepherds over here. They're just waiting for the shift to end, okay? They're, just, they're, they're working third shift. They're waiting for this to be over. Here you see the wise men. They're waiting for the star. We read the rest of the story, and you'll also see another set of characters, Simeon and Anna. They're waiting for the Messiah. So everybody at the nativity was waiting for something. So this Christmas, I have a question. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? I mean, we're all waiting for something. Some of you are waiting to finish school. Some of you are waiting to get married. Some of you are waiting for this big promotion. Maybe you're waiting for the test results. Maybe you're waiting for God to show up. We all have something in common with the folks at the Nativity that first Christmas. We're waiting. We're people who are waiting. And this is hard. It's hard for my uh, three-year-old grandson. It's hard for me. Because we're used to this uh, instant culture where we have everything at our fingertips. You know, we have on-demand services. We have Uber Eats and everything is just, uh, you touch it and it happens. And all of a sudden, everything comes to a stop. And said, so, oh, you can't have what you want when you want it. You've got to wait. You've got to get in line. Wait. And you know, what's worse than that is when you say, oh, you've got to go in this room over here and wait. And that is the waiting room. Have you ever been in a waiting room? Oh, yes, we've been in a waiting room because we've been to the DMV. Uh, we've been to a, in a waiting room because we've been to the doctor. We've been placed in the, when, when you're in a waiting room, it almost feels like that your life is on pause. It feels like that, uh, that you've been, uh, you're in a holding pattern or something, that, that you're just anxiously waiting there. And sometimes in life, we find ourselves in a waiting room. We're waiting for something to happen. You know, I believe some people get stuck in a waiting room. And it's like that uh, proverbial, like, Groundhog Day movie, you know, that they keep repeating the same things over and over and over. And you, you're getting that waiting room, and it's the same thing over and over and over. Some people get stuck for a number of reasons, I'm sure. But here's what I know. I don't know the reason somebody gets stuck in a waiting room, but I do know what they're feeling. Because typically, most all of them feel the same thing, and they feel fear. They're afraid. All of us have fears. We're all afraid of something. Some of you are afraid of the dark. Some of you, like me, are afraid of heights. You know, I just don't like, like, to go to the Richmond County Fair, and you get on a Ferris wheel, and you, I'm fine with the Ferris wheel going round and round. I'm good with that. But then when it stops and you're on top, and you're just rocking back and forth. I don't like that. Because I'm rocking back and forth, and I'm thinking, some guy just put this together yesterday. And I bet he didn't graduate from Georgia Tech. I mean, that's real. Somebody put that, and in, in, in fact, next week, they're going to put it together somewhere else. And so it's a little fearful. So maybe you're afraid of heights like that. Or maybe you're afraid of lobsters. Or maybe you're afraid of speaking uh, in public at the Rotary Club. Or maybe you're afraid of these three words, some assembly required. Mm. Those are fearful words. For sure, several years ago, Santa was in a hurry and dropped off the kids' toys at our house, and they were not put together. He ate the cookies, drank the milk, and left an instruction manual. 
with some assembly required. I was pretty ticked off at Santa because I was up late after this service trying to put together toys that he should have done. But anyway, that's a whole different message. Okay, whole different message. But sometimes we see things like some assembly required and it scares us. We have fears. How do you handle it when you have a fear? How do you handle it when fear knocks at your door? Heard a proverb that said, fear knocked at the door, faith answered, and there was nobody there. Fear knocked at the door, faith answered, and there was nobody there. Through the years, Patty and I have been challenged at different times to step out in faith. And each time that we've been challenged to step out in faith, we've been nervous. And we've been fearful. Every time that I've had an opportunity to step out in faith, I've noticed that there's this gap. Okay, there's this gap from... This comfort zone over here to where we're living our lives. Everything is okay. And then we have God tapping us on the shoulder saying, I need you to take a step and I need you to go here. I need you to trust me in this. And so there's this gap between where we are, which is very comfortable, and then where God is calling us to be over here. There's this gap in between those two places. And that gap typically gets filled with either fear our faith. That gap is the distance from what I can know and have control over and what God is asking me to do. God wants me to depend upon him, but sometimes I'm afraid to do that. So there's this gap and we wrestle with that. Am I going to be in fear or, or have faith? Some of you tonight will be prompted. You'll be called. You'll be nudged. Where God is calling you to take a step. You say, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. Because I am comfortable with what I'm doing. And he calls you, do you trust me? And there's this gap here. If you fill it with faith, if you give, excuse me, if you fill it with fear, if you give in to fear, you will always have what you have. But if you step out in faith. I believe that God will give you immeasurably more than you could ask or even imagine. So there's this gap. What are we going to fill it with? When we look at the Christmas story, each one of, each one of the characters dealt with fear. Joseph was afraid. Mary was afraid. And so were the shepherds. They were afraid. And even the wise men, they were afraid. And they went home a different direction. Over the next few minutes, I want to talk about some of the characters around the nativity. The first one I want to introduce is Mary. We know her. We call her the Virgin Mary. And we see great paintings of her. We've seen statues of her, carvings of her. Uh, And it looks pretty glamorous. But if truth be told, her life was anything but glamorous. Mary was a young girl, most likely in her teens, when she became engaged to this local carpenter named Joseph. She was devoted to God and she wanted to serve God with all of her heart. And God saw this and invited her to be a part of his plan, a plan to change the world. He sent Gabriel, an angel, to meet Mary. And this this encounter with Gabriel scared her. It terrified her. And that angel looked at her and said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary. 
Then the angel said, Mary, you're going to have a baby. And her fears quickly turns to doubts. And she said, how can this be? I mean, Mary knew that it was impossible for her to become pregnant because she was a virgin. Then the angel said in Luke chapter 1 and verse 37, said, oh, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible. That's the message of Christmas. That's the message to those of you who find yourself in the waiting room. You're waiting for something to happen. And you right now are wrestling between fear and faith. Let me just tell you that there is nothing that is impossible with God. I want you to look to him. I want you to put your faith in him. I believe that God will see you through. We're talking about three different characters. The second one is Joseph. Now, his story is told in Matthew chapter 1. And in the cast of characters at the Nativity, Joseph plays a supporting actor role. He was not the main character. But without him, Christmas would have been different. When Joseph found out that his fiancée Mary was pregnant, it rocked his world. It disturbed him. It confused him. He's disappointed. And so he's just working all of this out in his mind. He said, man, what should I do? What should I do? And then he just said, man, I just need to walk away from this. This is not going to end. I need to walk away from this. We see this in chapter 1 and and verse 19 in Matthew. It says, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he what? Had in mind to divorce her quietly. In other words, he thought about this. He thought about it. He mulled it over. He said, what am I going to do? I don't know what I'll do. I'm just going to divorce her real quietly. I'm just going to move away. Everything will be okay. He developed a plan. But here's the problem. His plan was not God's plan. There are times in our lives when we develop our own plans and we, we move God out. We edge God out of our lives and say, I've got this. And God said, no, you're headed in the wrong direction. You're headed in the wrong direction. You need to wait a minute. In fact, God takes us, closes the doors, puts us in the waiting room. He puts us in the waiting room oftentimes for us to be able to process and come to terms with what is going on in our lives so that we can um, take our next step. Well, Joseph's in the waiting room. God sends an angel in a dream to him. Next verse, but after that, he considered this, divorcing Mary, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. I mean, here we see it a second time. That fear is the culprit here. Do not be afraid. But he was afraid. He said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. She'll give birth and have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. In that moment, in that moment of confusion, when God spoke to this angel, Joseph had clarity. It all became crystal clear. Because you see, Joseph was a righteous man, but he was about to make the wrong decision. And then it became crystal clear because he opened up to receive the direction from the Lord. Are you open? Are you open enough to receive the promptings? 
Are you open enough? Have you left enough room in your life for God to speak to you? So many times we, we cram so many things into our lives that we can't even hear God when he speaks. Because we don't leave room. Joseph left room and heard God's word. Here's the third cast of characters. We see the, uh, the shepherds. Now, these guys were normal, everyday kind of folks. They're working in a dead-end job. And they honestly were at work, third shift, middle of the night. They're not looking for God. God was not on their radar. Maybe that could be your story. That you just showed up at your family and they said, hey, uh, part of our tradition is come to Stevens Creek. And what's Stevens Creek? Oh, it's a church we go to. Won't you come with us? And now here you are. Welcome. You're not looking for God. You're not looking for your life to be changed in any way. I mean, you're just looking for dinner. I'm glad you're here. I am. I, I am so glad you're here, and I hope this is a safe place, and I hope you, you're able to hear the message. But more than that, that, that you'll be able to hear God speak to you. The shepherds were out working, third shift, and all of a sudden the angels showed up, and the angel uh, of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were what? Terrified. Once again, we see fear come into play here. But this time, it's a healthy fear. The shepherds were in awe of the glory of God. The shepherds were in awe of the presence of the Lord. And it scared them. It terrified them. But once again, an angel spoke. Verse 10. But the angel said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. This is the third time in the Christmas story that we see these words. And it actually happens a fourth time. Do not be afraid. Do you know that in the Bible, you'll see fear not or do not be afraid over 70 times. Why do you think? Why do you think that that command has been placed in the Bible over and over and over again? Why? Because all of us deal with fear. Because all of us are afraid at times. And we need to be encouraged that we're not alone. We need to be encouraged that there's a power that's greater than ourselves. It's the power of the Lord. He said, do not be afraid for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the city of David, the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. A Savior. A Savior. He's Christ, the Lord. I would imagine that at that moment... When they saw the Messiah, they saw Christ uh, in, that, in that manger, their lives were forever changed. Forever changed. It's my prayer tonight that your life will be forever changed. You say, well, I'm not coming to looking to change anything. I kind of like it how it is. When I talk about your life being changed, what I want for you most of all, I want you to understand why you've been placed on this earth. I want you to understand your purpose. Because you see, God has created each one of you. And each one of you are unique. And you have a purpose. You have gifts that he has given. You have talents and abilities. And when you can zero in on that and start to move in that direction, you have a sense of fulfillment and contentment like never before. I want that for you. 
Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. You know, it's interesting. Why did the shepherds get to announce this? I mean, if you were to talk to religious scholars in that time and you'd say, hey, who do you think is going to get to announce the birth of the Messiah? The religious scholars of that day would never, ever say the shepherds. The shepherds? They considered the shepherds just rednecks or so. They're smelly uh, field hands working out with the flocks. Why the shepherds? Because of this, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all of the people. The shepherds represented real people. The shepherds were everyday people. Everyday people. You see, the birth of Jesus was not for a select group of people, for a select few, but it was about all the people. It was for everybody. It was not just for those who are well-mannered and well-behaved, but Christmas is for everyone. It is not just for those of you that have great marriages and thriving families and wonderful careers, but Christmas is for all the people. It's not just for those that have good credit scores or good grades in school, but it's for all the people. At Christmas, God is making this huge announcement that Christmas is for everyone. Christmas is for you. Christmas is for me. This is the message of John chapter 3 and verse 16. For it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. It's for wise kings that come from the east, bringing gifts like gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And it is for lowly shepherds um, who have very little to give. Christmas is for everyone. And at Christmas, God came down um, and made this statement. He said, I'll leave the highest high, the throne room of heaven, and I'll come down to the lowest low, a a manger and a stable. Uh, And what he was saying is, I will go any distance. I will pay any price. I will suffer sacrifice and I'll go through pain just so that you know that I love you. That the message of a Christmas is a message of love that God loves you. Christmas is for everyone. It's for all the people. It's for the young and it's for the old. It's for those of you who have PhDs, and it's for those of you who are working on your GED. It's for those of you that live on an unemployment check, but it's also for those of you that live on a trust fund. It's for those of you who are single and you wish to be married. And yes, it's for those of you who are married and you wish you were single. Christmas is for everyone. It's for those of you that that go to work in business suits and and or high heels, and uh, for those of you that lounge around in stained yoga pants and rainbows. It's for everybody. It's for those of you that like rock music and country music and rap music. It's for those of you who are white and who are black and Asian and Latino and Jewish and Arab. It's for those of you who are atheist and you are agnostic. Oh, it's Christmas is for everyone. It's for the Buddhist and the Baptist. It's for the Presbyterians and it's for the Pentecostals. It is for the Methodists and it is for the Muslims. It is for the Roman Catholics, the Lutherans and the Hindus. Christmas is for everyone. It's for all the people. Amen.
Christmases for those orphans in Guatemala. And it's also for those kids who live in a motel in our community. You see, there will be kids that will wake up on Christmas morning in a motel in this community. Christmas is for the addicts in the recovery center. It's for the cancer patients who are trying to get treatment for their disease. Christmas is for the inmates who will spend yet another Christmas behind bars. It's for all the people. It's for me. It's for you. So here's the question. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Christmas is for you. And I know you hear the story here, but you don't know what to do. I'm just going to say, take a step. Because the journey to Christmas is only about 18 inches. That's all you have to do. Just take one step. It's just 18 inches. The journey to Christmas, the journey to, to having Jesus change your life is only 18 inches. You say, what do you mean by that? It's the distance between your head and your heart. You see, most of you know the story of Christmas. You've heard it year after year, and you can quote Luke chapter 2. You know the story, you've heard the music, and yes, you've got an intellectual knowledge of Christmas. Tonight, I'm asking you to take a step, just 18 inches, and to go from your head down to your heart. You say, how do you do that? Just two words. Really? Yeah. You know, two words are powerful. When you're at a wedding, the words I do, those are powerful words. If you're in a courtroom, the words not guilty, those are powerful words. If you want to experience Christmas, if you want to experience the love of God who sent his son into the world to be born in a manger, to live a sinless life, to be arrested and beaten and crucified on the cross, to be put in a tomb. And on the third day, he came back to life so that he could be a savior for you, so that you could experience forgiveness and that you could experience peace and that you could have joy in his name. It's just two words. And you say, Marty, tell us what two words. Tell me. Here they are. I believe. I believe. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that He is the Savior of the world. Just two words. So the question is, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Tonight is your opportunity to take that step, to move Christmas from this intellectual uh, knowledge, this intellectual story down into your heart to say, yes, Jesus, I believe. I believe in Christmas. I believe your message of hope. I believe that you came to save me, to forgive me, to make me into the kind of person you want me to be. If that's you tonight, I want to lead you in a prayer. For those that are watching right now online, Could it be that the Lord is speaking to you right where you are? Maybe you're watching on a phone or maybe you're watching on a Roku device or or maybe you're watching with your Apple TV. However you're watching, God is speaking to you just as he's speaking to us in this room. And it comes down to this. Are we willing to take the next step? 
moving it from our head to our heart and say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. And if you'll take that step, your life will be forever changed. Let's bow our heads and prepare to pray. Now, some, so many times when we think about prayer, we think about putting the right words into place and it's like a puzzle. I just want you to take a deep breath and let's just talk to the Lord because that's what prayer is. And I'm going to lead you in this prayer. And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to pray with you. Or maybe you have, and for whatever reason, you've gone down a path to where you, you walked away from God in the church. And tonight is a night that you said, I'm coming back. This prayer's for you. So let's pray together. I want you to repeat, repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I believe. Say this, say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe that you are the Savior of the world. Forgive me of my sins. I want you to pray this prayer. Say, make me into the kind of person that you would have me to be. I give you my past and I give you my future. My life is in your hands. Save me today. I trust you will do this in Jesus' name. Now, Father, as I pray this prayer, I ask that you do as only you can do. But not only do I pray for people right now who are being saved, but I pray for people who are rededicating their lives. I pray for people who are stuck in the waiting room. They're covered in fear. I pray that in the name of Jesus, that the power of fear would be broken on them and that they would receive the peace, the peace of knowing Jesus. God, we give our lives to you and we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen, amen. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.